Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.
Welcome back to the Heavy Metal Mayhem Radio Show. It is Sunday, July 8th, 2018. We're at the halfway point of the year. You know, I can't believe we waited so long for the summer to come, and I feel like it's almost over now. But we still have about a month and a half left here in the East Coast. We'll see what happens. Just enjoying the nice warm weather while it lasts. Hey, we got a great show for everybody tonight. Krista Crunt Anderson from Tad Morose and Joel Staff from Leather Bitch will be calling in tonight. Right there, Obsession, Only the Strong Will Survive off the Martial Law EP. One of my favorite records, uh, a four-song EP from back in the day. Obsession put out quite a few records before calling it a day. They got back together, broke up, got back together. They were supposed to put out a new record. They were doing like a GoFundMe thing many, many years ago. Uh, but I haven't heard anything about that album at all. Uh, but Mike Vescara, he's in a lot of other bands and projects and mostly doing his solo stuff. And he's still putting out records on a regular basis. So uh, pick one of those up if you're in the mood for some obsession sounding music over there. All right, let me see what we can jump into here next. We got about 25 minutes before our first guest calls in. So we'll play some music between now and then. How about Torch? I was just watching a video. I guess it was from the Sweden's Rock Festival of Torch Live. And they sounded fantastic, man. Steve Streaker back on drums. Ian on bass guitar, and the master Dan Dark on vocals. Here you go, Warlock.
All right, Rat Attack out of Hawaii. I used to love those guys. Really good. I wish more would have came out of them, but unfortunately it didn't happen. It must have been a difficult scene in Hawaii. I mean, you had Sacred Right. You actually had to be in Hawaii, Vixen in Hawaii for a little while out of the area with Marty Freeman. And, you know, a couple of other good bands. But, you know, being such small islands, it must have been difficult, you know, to generate a scene and have enough places to play at back in the day. But Sacred Right have reunited uh, they're going to be playing at the Keep It True Festival in 2019. I'm working on getting one of the members of the band on the show. Hopefully, we can make it happen, you know, sometime next month. Uh, well, actually, it'll probably be September because next month, I believe, we only have, I think, two live shows to do in August. Uh, three of those weeks, I have my daughter's wedding, so I won't be around. And uh, for two weeks, my wife and I are going on our European vacation. So uh, I might pre-record one show so there's not that big of a gap in between. But it's rare when we don't do a show or do a live show. We usually do them every week of the year, except for two weeks I'm away. But everything seemed to fall in August this year. So maybe when we come back in September, uh, we'll get them on there. Because this September, the show turns 10 years old. I can't believe that we've been doing this for 10 years this year. Our old co-host, Tommy Falanga, he got this thing started when he found this website and we started doing the show together. And then he kind of faded out after a year. He threw in a towel and gave up. Just couldn't dedicate the time or energy to do it anymore. And I've kept it going since then. And we've had a lot of great guests on the show. I just put together this little slice show montage. And by the time I got done with it, put up a fly of every guest I had in the show. It was like it was like an hour and like 40 minutes long or something. So I'll post it up on Facebook. If anybody's got like two hours of time to kill, they can go through all the flies of the show to see who all the guests were over the years. And we've had a lot of great ones. We're going to get to our first one in about 10 minutes. Uh, we'll get on a couple more tunes between now and then. Uh, before Rat Attack, we played Torch with Warlock. Uh, Ian Gregg, the bass player from the band, he has sent me over a couple of songs that are going to be on the new upcoming record. I don't know if we're going to get it this year, 2018, or next year. Uh, I didn't have any vocals put to them yet. It was just instrumentals, and they sounded really good, like classic Torch. Hopefully when Dan Dark gets done with them, uh, they'll sound even better. I'm looking forward to it. The band kind of got back together, I want to say around 2003, maybe 2004. And it was basically just Dan Dark. And in 2009, they put out the Dark Center record, which was a compilation. It was mostly re-recorded versions of the old songs. I think there were two new ones on there. Don't, maybe there were three. I'm not really sure. And they weren't bad songs, you know. And even the re-recordings, I'm not crazy about bands that go back and re-record old songs and old albums. I know why a lot of them have to do it. It's to get the rights to the music back. Uh, but you just can't, you know, capture that magic again that you did 30, sometimes even 40 years ago. But it really wasn't a bad record. They didn't do, you know, the cover versions that they did. And I call them cover versions because they weren't the original members. Uh, they weren't that bad compared to some other uh, remake albums that came out. But the new one should be a killer. And it's pretty much the entire, as of now, uh, original lineup. Uh, I mean, actually, Dan Dark came into the band a year after they formed, but... As far as being on record goes, he is the main guy, and it has all those original guys in there, so I'm hoping for something really good. All right, let's jump into uh, maybe one or two more songs, then we'll get to uh, Krista from Tad Morose. Let me see. I was just bouncing around. Uh, Iman said, why don't you read for Metal Forces again? So I started going through some of the old back issues over here, and I saw one with Anthrax where they were talking to Scott Ian and Dan Spitz where they were asking how the metal scene is in New York these days. And they're like, there is no metal scene in New York. If you're lucky, there's maybe one good show a month, Scott Ian says, at Lamore. Now, there were great shows at Lamore's every weekend of every month throughout most of the 80s, especially when metal really started to get going, like after 83. 
it was the place to be. And they were like, that was about it. But you didn't need any other clubs in New York because everybody came there. Everybody went to Lemoore. You didn't need to have 500 metal clubs in, in, in New York City at the time. You know, there were a lot. And, you know, there weren't like maybe steady metal clubs, but it was shows all the time with heavy metal bands. But there were a lot of places playing metal. But Lemoore's was the rock capital of Brooklyn. That's where you went to play. But, you know, Scott Ian, he's just a dick. It's <laughs> just like most of the guys in Anthrax are. All right, how about we do some brand new Crystal Viper at the edge of time?
Anthrax, Soldiers of Metal. We were just bad-mouthing them a few minutes ago, but the only good Anthrax was that first album by Anthrax. That's just my opinion, first of all, Metal. I'm not taking anything away from Joey Belladonna, but the band's sound and style changed uh, after the Arms and Dangerous EP. A lot of those songs were written when Neil was in the band, don't forget. And Neil's a good friend of the show. We've had him on here multiple times. And I was just reading like a little bit of what uh, Scott and Dave were saying. Uh, I'm sorry, it was with Scott and Dan, the interview. About that, they asked what happened with Neil Turbin. I said, Neil couldn't cut it anymore. Out on that tour with Raven, you know, he just couldn't cut it. We had to let him go. Now, I saw that show when they played. I want to say it was at the Ritz. Don't quote me. I don't remember the venue that we saw that. Uh, it was the last year, actually, Neil Turbin did with Anthrax, and he sounded great. And we've had Neil on the show many times. There are videos out there. Neil Turbin singing live today. He sounds just as good today as he did back in the 80s. You know, if you listen to the promo he cut for this show, he still has it. One of the best singers out there in heavy metal. Hopefully, Death Riders will actually get an album out. <laughs> like your mom was saying in the chat room, maybe they'll get it out by 2050. We had Neil on the show for the first time 10 years ago. He was working on that record. So hopefully, it will see the light of day one day. You never know. Hopefully, while metal is still in fashion again, we'll get that album out. All right. We spoke to Krista Krunt Anderson from Tamaros. We'll get that interview on right now. We'll play something off the brand new record when we're done with that. A little bit more music. We'll find out what's going on in the metal news this week. And then we will talk to Joel Staff from Leather Bitch, one of my new favorite bands. I want everybody to get into these guys and support them because they're a solid act. All right, here you go. Here's Krista. Okay, I think we're good now. Technology, you have to love it. Yeah, well, uh, I want to talk to Corona and Joe from the band here with me as well. Great, great. How are everybody doing today? Oh, we're doing just great. Just uh bearing up for the festival show later tonight here in our hometown. That, that's fantastic. I have to tell you, I've been a fan of the band since the early 90s when you first got started. And, and you guys are like the little band that could, even though you're not that little. I mean, every album gets better and better. And there's like nothing bad about the band that anybody could talk about. Uh, well, we're pretty ugly. <laughs> that's true. And the new record, you know, Chapter 10, I mean, just an amazing album from start to finish. Oh, thank you. How much work went into this record? Because it's been about two or three years since the last album. That's kind of been the band's, you know, uh, thing every couple of years besides that big gap, you know, in, in the early 2000s. Uh, yeah, well, it's, obviously it's, that's about the amount of time that it takes for us to write and record an album. I mean, we're old and lazy and we got a few gigs to play every now and then, so, yeah, three years, it seems like it's our formula for making an album or something. It would be cool if we could do it a bit quicker, but, yeah, that's how it is. Well, you know, some bands today go maybe ten years between records, so two to three years is pretty good. Plus, it's a different business now and a different marketplace than it used to be 20 years ago. I mean, does, does, does the whole business part of it affect the band as far as output goes? Do you have to say to yourself, you know, we can't financially put out a record every year or there might not be a need for it every year? Uh, well, well, of course, the business side also matters, so to say, but mostly for us it's just to, we, if we would like to put out an album, we put out an album. It's basically down to, to whatever we want to do. Because, I mean, if, if we're ready to write new 
stuff and we got enough songs for a new album then we just record it and put it out it's not, not that big of a deal for us true and you know you can hear the consistency in the music now I mean the band's had a pretty steady lineup by Soto Johan like for the last five or six years Yeah. But apart from that, we've been pretty steady since, I don't know, almost 10 years, I think. Yeah, it's been a long time. Does that help as far as, like, you know, the consistency in the songwriting and the musicianship and just the overall, like, you know, output from the band? Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, uh, having uh, the same guys in the band makes everything a bit smoother because everybody knows their role in the band and knows how each another works and things like that. So it's, it's just smoother. True. Um, you know, changing lineups are a common thing today. A lot of bands, you know, members, they can't commit to the band more than, you know, people think it's mostly personal problems, but a lot of members just can't commit to, like, what it takes to be in a band today. Uh, yeah, that also has a huge part in it as well. So, I mean, that's one of the reasons, I guess, that uh, Tommy left the band, uh, just <laughs> about done with the recording of this album, because, I mean, we're just humans made out of flesh and blood, and things change in everybody's lives, can be work situations, whatever. So, I mean, and sometimes people just lose interest in what they're doing. So, it's also also nice, I mean, it, it's sad to lose a band member, but it's also nice to get a new band member in, because you get fresh blood into the band, new ideas, and another way of seeing things and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, it definitely helps out sometimes. I mean, I know you got the festival tonight. Is playing the festival market the most important thing for a band today because you could reach a large audience in one shot, or is it so important to go out there and hit the clubs, and whether you're playing in front of 10 people or 10,000? Uh, I don't know. I mean, of course, festivals is, is nice because you get to play, as you said, in front of a lot of people and perhaps a lot of people that never heard of you. Uh, so probably you can gain a few more fans, but to us as a band... It, Is it easier to do it today than it used to be? I mean, I know coming to the U.S. and maybe other countries is, is kind of difficult, but getting around Europe is a lot easier. Is, is it important to, like, get out as far as you can? Well, of course it's important to, to play in new territories and things like that, but, I mean, we do as much as we can, and, I mean, as I said, going to America these days is almost impossible because the, it costs so much money to handle all the paperwork and stuff to do it completely legal and, and stuff, so... Yes, I'm here. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, we like to travel around and play live. I mean, of course, it's, it's really nice to play your own town, too, but it's also fun to just fly away to faraway country and play as well. So, I mean, the beer tastes the same and the guitars sound the same. So, I mean, whatever would be there anyway. That's true. I mean, I would love to see you guys come into the U.S., but our president doesn't want anybody coming to this country no more. out? Uh, say again, please. 
I said Sweden always had a great rock and heavy metal scene. I mean, when you go back to the beginning of the band, you know, and you can't really leave the country yet, was it easy to play out? Uh, yeah, I think so. Back in those days, it's harder for new and up-and-coming bands to get shows to play. It was easier back in the 80s, I think, to, to, to get shows to play and things like that. But, I mean, it's fairly okay nowadays too here. True. You know, when the band got started in the early 90s, I mean, here in the USA, I mean, heavy metal fell on hard times. Nobody wanted to listen to it anymore. It kind of disappeared. Was it difficult for the band starting up, you know, outside of your hometown? Uh, no, not, not really. I mean, as far as we know, we, we just played and yeah, did what we just loved to do. And I mean, first tour we went on, first show we ever played outside of Sweden, it was a pretty huge crowd and a lot of people knew about us, so that was really amazing. Yeah. You know, Kristen, there was a big gap, like, after the Motors uh, album, and a lot of changes were going on at the band. I mean, it was a good 10 years, you know, before Revenant came out. Uh, did that kind of hurt the band in a way to set you back going that long without any output? Uh, yeah, I think it uh, actually did. But, I mean, that's what happened back then, so not much to do about that now. But, of course, it was very, very frustrating because during this period, it felt like the harder we tried, the harder it, it got. And, but, I mean, we, we never gave up anyway. We just keep at it. And, yeah, it took 10 years to get a steady lineup together again. But, I mean, what else should we do? spare time, except for just continuing trying. True. And, you know, when you brought Ronnie into the band, you know, about three records ago, I mean, to me, he kind of took over the vocal spot. I mean, a lot of people forgot that Joe was there and Urban and other people. And that's a hard thing to do is to step into an established band and kind of, you know, make your voice the voice of that band. But he did it, and, and it sounds great with him singing. Yeah, yeah I mean, he's We get some messages from some old fans. They say, well, I prefer Urban singing. I mean, that's bound to happen. And everybody is entitled to have their own opinion about things. But, I mean, I just love having Ronnie in the band. Yeah, you know, well, there were a lot of new fans that came into the band only knowing Ronnie as the singer. So they might look back in the old catalog and say, well, you know, I don't really like the Urban stuff. I, you know, I'm a Ronnie fan. Just like with Black Sabbath and, and other bands that have to have done that. Very true. So what do you got? I know you have the show tonight, but what do you have planned for the rest of the year? Any tours coming up, or are you putting it together? Uh, we've got a lot of plans flying around, not that much booked. Uh, we're going to Greece to play a festival in December, and some uh, smaller club shows in Sweden lined up. But not no big things so far, but hopefully we'll get out and play live more often. Uh, that's good to know. I'm happy about that. And as far as the record goes, I mean, you know, when did you start actually working on the record? Record from all over the place and kind of put it together in the studio. Uh, yeah, same, same with us. I mean, I recorded my guitar parts at my studio, and Kenneth did his guitars at his place, and Ronnie, of course, uh, did the vocals and 
stuff at his studio and then we just meet up at Ronnie's studio and just yeah put every files together and listen to everything and make changes if need be and so on. Is that the new way of recording for bands? Is that going to be the way it'll be in the future where everything is kind of done separately and put together and when you do it that way is it is it any more difficult or challenging to sync everything up? Uh, well we've been pretty used to recording this way because that's the way we've done the, this last three albums but, but I mean in, it works and I mean we all got our day jobs and stuff to take care of so it really doesn't work out as when we were young so to say when we had no house or no kids or anything because back then we, I mean we usually slept in the studio and stayed there for a couple of weeks and recorded the album and somehow I kind of missed those days because you were totally focused on what you were doing back then but it's another reality nowadays and it's not that much fun in the business so this is the only way as far as I know that works for us to record albums so it's pretty convenient yeah, most bands are doing it that way today, and it is a, a time saver and a money saver. But when you get to the studio and somebody's parts just just doesn't sync up or is off, I mean, can it be corrected right there? Do you have to go back and re-record? Uh, well, I mean, we, we constantly send the files back and forth. And I mean, if some guy's part doesn't fit into the song, we'll just tell him to go fuck himself and re-record <laughs> it and make something better. It's not nothing more than that. So, so I mean, well, we were up in the studio to prepare for mixing and stuff and listening through everything, then we already have done all the changes that needs to, to be done. But of course, I mean, sitting there, pretty often we come up with some great ideas and new stuff and add some stuff anyway, so. Yeah. As the years go by and albums keep coming out, does it get harder and harder to not repeat yourself and to come up with new ideas? I don't know. What do you think? I don't think so. <laughs> Just making music? 
Chapter 10 record, I Am The Night. We're going to be talking to Joseph from Leather Bitch in about 15 minutes. We'll play a few more tunes between now and then. I guess the news we're talking about is Rat uh, did their first show as a reunited band. Unfortunately, there's only Juan and Steven in the band right now. I remember about a year ago, they were tearing apart Bobby Bloxer for going out there performing under the Rat name with him being the only original member. So, I mean, you had Warren, Juan, and, and Steven in the band. So, you know, I mean, Robin Crosby's dad, he ain't coming back. You know, he had Carlos Cavazzo in there. So that was kind of a good substitution. You know, he came from the same scene. He's well-known from Quiet Riot days. It was working out pretty well, I thought, but it didn't last very long. And now it's just Steven and Juan out there. And some people are saying it doesn't sound too bad. Other people are ripping it apart. You have to make up your own mind. I just think it's ridiculous that you tear apart one member of a band uh, for going out there not playing with all the original members or the majority of them, and then you guys kind of do the same thing. I mean, I don't get it. You you would think, like, after 30, 40 years of being in the business and doing this, that members would be able to get along long enough just to go out on stage, play a show, and move from town to town for a couple of weeks a year. 
I mean, the heyday of heavy metal is over. This isn't the 80s anymore. You know, a lot of these bands aren't going to make it and play Madison Square Garden. There's not big money. You're doing it now because you love it. You enjoy what you're doing. You're having a good time. And yes, don't get me wrong. Bands at Rats level can make a living doing this by playing and performing and putting out music. You know, they're not going to be millionaires, but it's enough to get by and earn a decent living. Uh, it's just ridiculous, you know, what goes on in music today. It's kind of a joke in my opinion. All right. Let me see what we can do for everybody right now. I, I had one or two new songs to play. I just can't seem to find where I put them. So let's stick with the classics for a little while. Wasp. Animal. <laughs>
Rock Goddess, Hell Hath No Fury, going back to the title track of that record from 1983. That was the band's second full-length record right after the self-titled Rock Goddess. Now, the band was around from the late 70s. Uh, they had a, a pretty uh, good run there, breaking up at about 87, I want to say, then reuniting in the mid-90s for a very short period of time. But it was a couple of years ago that that classic lineup got back together with the Turner Sisters and Tracy Lamb. And last year, they put out It's More Than Rock and Roll. It's just an EP. I want to say three, four songs long. Uh, it, it was self-produced and, and self-released. So I don't even have a copy of it. I heard most of the songs on there uh, on the internet, but I don't have a copy of it myself. None of it was ever released to the press. Uh, you have to buy it directly through the band, I'm guessing. But hopefully it'll get a full-length record out, you know, maybe this year or next. Uh, I think this year is a little too late for them, but maybe next year. It's actually a pretty good-sounding record. It kind of brings you right back to those early days of the band, you know, in the early 80s. All right, let me see what we can do for you right now. We're going to talk to Joel in about five minutes or so, so maybe we'll get on one or two more quick ones, and then we'll wrap it up. I was going to play some Avatar. Vicious Attack is like 30-something years old today, I believe. And, you know, Steve Gaines from the band, what a great friend of the show. He's in anger as art these days. He's had that going for over 10 years. This October, they're going to be releasing their first live record, on Malevolence Records, so pick it up. We'll have maybe Steve back on the show. We just spoke to him a couple of weeks ago. Maybe we'll get him back on in October to you know, talk about the new record and everything. But right now, how about some Minotaur? Fast fight.
Brian Lovell's Blade with Alpha Blood. That was Pete Lovell from the band Pitcher. A few of the other members of the band, they all parted ways, formed Lovell's Blade. A great sounding record. All right, I believe we have Joel on the line right now. Let's connect them live and get this interview going. How's Joel, going, this everyone? is Mike. You're on air. How are you? I'm doing great, man. How are you? Hey, I'm talking to you. How bad can I be? <laughs> oh, man. Hey, listen, I have to tell you, I've been playing the hell out of the songs that you guys have out there right now. And, I mean, I became like a diehard fan over the last couple of months. You guys got oh, a lot man, going no on. Way. Thank you, man. Thank you. I'm glad you dig it. Yeah. You know, yeah we we're, had Matt we're, we're pretty on excited the show. about it. Oh, I'm glad. We had Matt on the show from The Wild Dogs. He's like, hey, we're going to play with this band. You got to check them out. And I, I gave a listen. I was like, damn, you know, like, I mean... I, I can't like put my finger on who you sound like or what you sound like because you don't really sound like anybody else. But the band kind of sounds like you define an entire era of heavy metal. Oh man, well that's that's quite the compliment. Thank you. Um, I, we have a variety of influences, but I think that as a band, we're definitely trying to bring back kind of the golden age of metal, as you'd say, like just kind of back to basics. You know, like there's a I'd say there's like kind of a new wave of traditional metal kind of happening here in the Northwest. And we're really just trying to bring back like all the things that made metal good back in the day, back to the forefront. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, I, I think you actually accomplished that and I'm hoping for more from you guys. How, how everything, how's everything like where you are now on, on the West coast, on the Northwest coast? Is it, is it pretty happening? Is there enough of a lively scene for the band to keep active? Absolutely. I, I we have a lot of fun out here. Um, there's a lot of cool and exciting things happening with music right now on this side. Um, there's a really strong metal scene here in the Portland area, as well as Los Angeles. Um, lots of, lots of family, lots of, lots of metal and just a, just a variety of things going on right here. It's hard to, hard to be bored on this side. I'd say definitely. <laughs> well, that's a good thing. <laughs> Well, how did the whole band come about? How long, is it, how long have you guys been together? And is it mostly the same guys from when you started? Yeah, actually, uh, it's all the same original members since the, since the beginning. Um, it's kind of funny how we, we started. Um, I was in a band called uh, Voltanic a few years back, and we were down a guitar player, so we had an add-up on the Craigslist Music Classified. And we were looking for another guitar player, and that's when my buddy Patrick hit up the ad. He was looking for uh, looking for a new music project himself, but he said he wasn't exactly interested in joining my band. But he uh, he wanted to get together with me and maybe start a side project. And push came to shove. I, we ended up meeting up and talking about what we wanted to do with music. And we just kind of each person we we kind of just put together each each member. Uh, all kind of had different things going on. We pieced it together. Uh, yeah, it it all just kind of happened. I'd say it's been about three years now we've been going at it, but just recently we put out our EP. It just started getting really interesting for us. It took a long time to get all the pieces together, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. It's you know, with the, as much going on as we have today with the internet, social media, all these music sites, it's still not an easy thing. I mean, I think it's even harder for a band today because there's so many places to go and so many bands out there to kind of find the good ones like yourselves and you know and help further them along. It's got to be challenging. Oh yeah, it's it's a tough world out there. I tell you, it's not the easiest thing, but you know, it's it's worth worth the struggle sometimes. You know. Yeah, absolutely. And you said the EP just recently came out. You guys did this all on your own? 
Yeah, um, let's see. The EP, we we recorded that with a good friend of ours named Charlie Corin. He's in a band called, uh, I know he's in Ascended Dead. Uh, he's just a good friend of ours. He had a little recording studio here in Portland. Uh, we went and did recorded with him, and he mixed it for us. And then uh, for all the Toxic Holocaust fans out there, uh, we know uh, Joel Grind from Toxic Holocaust, and he uh, he heard our EP and was interested in mastering it for us. So he played a huge part in giving it that kind of really punchy sounding after product. So yeah, we kind of just put that all together ourselves with the help of a couple good friends, and we're super happy with uh, the outcome. And I think we're probably going to do the same thing for our full length album that we're working on right now. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it does sound good. Was it just a, di- a digital release when you first put it out? Because I know now that there's going to be actual uh, vinyl copies against the CD copies through High Roller. Yeah. Um, it Actually, it came out on cassette first. Uh, we, we put it out on cassette through Rapid Fire Records. And uh, after we put it on cassette, that's when we uh, we decided to put it out on CD. And then when we got the High Roller contract, uh, they wanted to put it on vinyl. So we ended up getting all three formats going on wow. three different labels. That's that's great. You talk about going old school. I mean, putting it out, I mean, your first release and then putting it out on cassette first. I mean, you know, you should have sold the cassette players and gave the tape away for free. You would have made a fortune. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, that was, a lot of people were just like, what, you're putting it on cassette first? I'm like, come on, cassettes are cassettes are fun. A lot of people are trading cassettes out here. It's a really collectible thing again, and they're really fun, and, I mean, they don't skip, and obviously there's problems that come with cassettes that are unique in their own nature, but, I mean, cassettes are just kind of cool and beats the huge bulkiness of vinyl. They're just fun to carry with you and trade and stuff, so we thought it would be kind of a different and fun avenue to take. It really is. Hey, listen, there's nothing that a pencil can't fix when it comes to a cassette. Stick that pencil between them, and you can fix it right yeah. Oh, absolutely, uh, yeah. I think my generation was probably one of the last to start with cassettes when they were growing up. The kids these days probably never even owned a cassette yet. Very true. I mean, you know, I, I'm not going to date myself, but I go back to buying records from the 70s when I was a kid. So, I mean, I mean you know, when CDs came out, I was like, what the hell is this? And, you know, and then, like, yeah. you, know, you start replacing your collection with CDs, then you hear cassettes are going bye-bye, then this is coming back. And but it seems like we've gone full circle, you know, and everything that was old is, is sort of new again in a way for a new generation. I don't know if they think it's cool or not, but, you know, I love it that everything is sort of back again. Absolutely, yeah. I, you know, they say that sometimes history repeats itself. I think that, you know, maybe like 70s, 80s are kind of coming back in their own special way. It's, it's honestly, it's a really exciting time, I'd say, just to be doing doing stuff and having musical projects out there. It's really fun and inspiring time. True. And I know you said you're working on a new record. Is it something that you're looking to kind of uh, wrap up and get out by the end of this year? You're looking maybe for, for 2019? Um, yeah, the I believe the record, it's probably going to be out. We're looking really early 2019 at the rate we're going right now. Um, but yeah, it's, it's coming along really well. We've written pretty much most of it already. Uh, it's just a matter of gluing all the pieces together, getting, getting everything together, working out all the kinks. But we like to tell people that if you liked our EP, our album's kind of like taking each track from that EP, putting it in a blender and just blending it up and kind of just mixing it all together. Cause the EP, it kind of, 
I feel like it kind of showcases the versatility of us because each song kind of has its own flavor. You know what I'm saying? It's like yeah. you can't compare Leather and Lies to Nasty Reputations. It's it's like two different feelings. You know what I'm saying? So we're trying to like have less contrast and just kind of blend it all together and really like define that leather bitch sound. You know what I'm saying? True. I mean, is there is there a specific way when it comes to songwriting that you try to keep everything consistent, or is it kind of a free flow where no matter who puts what out there, you you're kind of willing to work on, even if it doesn't maybe sound exactly like you know what you want for the band. Um, I mean, the way it goes, I mean, we all kind of have a similar vision as a band of what we're trying to get across. Um, as long as it's, uh, as long as it's something that we all like and you can bang your head to, I mean, each member of the band has a really kind of unique set of uh, inspirations that kind of make our sound unique. And really, I mean, everything that we, we think of together, we can't go wrong with because it's all just a blend of that. So we've been really like uh, receptive to each other on the different ideas that we bring to the table. And I think that, uh, yeah, it's just when you're in a, when you're in a band with a bunch of people that are on the same page as you, pretty much everything that you put down on the table is going to be gold. You know, it's yeah. it's really hard to find that sometimes. Was it hard to find other guys to play with that did have the same vision? Because, you know, you have, you know, it's a different generation and, and they, you've grown up in different types of music and, you know, some people don't want to say, you know, I don't want to go back to the eighties and, and recreate this. I want to do what's relevant now, but it, it, are there enough people out there to say, you know what, I'm really into that, that classic, you know, power metal sound that I, that I want to keep playing that. Is it easy to find four or five other guys to do that with? Oh man, I can tell you stories. It's, it's, you know, it is and it isn't. So when I, I've been doing music for a while now and I've been in a, I've been in several bands before leather bitch. And, you know, I, I've always kind of been looking to, to recreate that, that eighties kind of metal sound, you know, but I found that in the beginning living in a small town, I, it was really hard for me to find other people that were on the same page as me. And I was looking, I was playing around in the Seattle Tacoma area of Washington and, I, it was really hard for me to find people that were on the same page. And the same goes for Patrick. He's the founding member of our band. There were so many different like uh, versions of Leather Bitch before it actually became Leather Bitch. He was just auditioning people left and right. It really is kind of hard to find people that are willing to do that, that kind of have that same vision. So I feel very lucky that uh, I came in contact with all my band members. But I'd say yes. Uh, it is. It really depends on the area, but I think in the Portland area, it's it's not that hard. I feel like a lot yeah. of people are kind of on the same page as me. Just in Portland, though. I just get that feeling in Portland. Seattle? Not really. Nah. Depends. Yeah. Well, that's important, you know, because you hear, like, a lot of bands breaking up or, you know, members constantly changing, and you think, like, there's a lot of band problems where they just don't get along with each other, they, they're not happy, but then you realize, you know, it, it's hard, and, like, you know, everybody has a life, and there are other things that get into the way of it. I mean, do you have enough, are the guys willing to, like, do whatever it takes not to make it and move on if you offered a, a tour or able to go out for a few weeks with another band? Is it something you can do, or are you at the point where you kind of have to pick and choose your shows and where and when you play? Um, I think that, uh, I think everybody in the band is willing to take it as far as we possibly can. Um, we've all been, you know, we've been in several bands before. It's not our first rodeo for sure. So with this band, we're really trying to like be serious and we're really trying to like meet some of those goals. Uh, I mean, we're, 
it's hard to say, oh, yeah, we're trying to be, like, world famous, do all this and that. I mean, that's those are some high, high hopes right there. But I know that we at least want to do just some really cool things and just reach out to a lot of people and see the world. And I think we're all willing to do that. That's something that we all really want to do, definitely. Yeah. Well, I mean, recently you, you were out in Chicago. You played at the Legions of Metal Festival, one of the one of the better festivals we have here in the U.S. And we're starting to get more and more now, and they're starting to grow. I mean, maybe not as quickly as over in Europe, or they're not as diehard a rabbit as they are. But, you know, I heard it went really well over there. How is it when you leave Portland for the first time and you go to somewhere else, and maybe people haven't heard of you? Do you work extra hard to try to win them over? Um. I mean, you definitely got to bring your A game to the forefront when you're being presented with a whole new audience. You definitely want to make it a really good performance. I mean, every performance we do, whether it's in our hometown or somewhere else, we really try to put our A game into it. But I mean, there was an extra bit of adrenaline that came with playing on a stage in Chicago. It was honestly really fun. And we were kind of shocked. We got a really good crowd response and people were shouting leather bitch out in the back and we were just like, wow. I mean, it's just a really good feeling when you, you go to a whole new part of the United States and people are just digging your stuff right away. It was, it was a great experience. So much fun. Yeah. You know, as you guys have a great sound, I mean, you got everything going for you musically. You sound phenomenal. You got the look going on, the whole image is happening. And when you play in front of an audience like that, like at Legions, it's a bunch of old guys like myself who are going to see these classic metal bands that have maybe reunited for this show or they're coming to the area for the first time. And to hear a younger band come up there and just blow everybody away with the music that they love. I mean, to me, I would love to have seen that because going to see a band live to me is where it's all at. I mean, I don't care if I've heard them before or not. That's how you come across new music to me and how you appreciate things. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's, you know, that's part of the reason why we were so honored to be playing that festival. I mean, the lineup was killer and all these bands really like, they got their start back in the day and just, for us to, to share the stage with them and show them like what kind of an influence they've all had on us. I mean, I feel like that was just a huge honor for us, like just to show them. Cause you know, we wouldn't have been there without bands like that. You know what I mean? They basically paved the way for us. So we wanted to show them, you know, just everything they've done. It was amazing. Yeah. Uh, how did the deal with High Roller come about? Did you actively search for a label or did they kind of find you? Um, we, we sent out, uh, I'm trying to think here. My drummer, Meshack, he, uh, we were kind of joking at first because High Roller, I mean, we consider High Roller to be a big deal. They, they put out some really, really awesome stuff. Uh, yeah. Really respectable and awesome label. I've heard great things about High Roller my whole music career. And Meshack, you know, he kind of just took a shot in the dark and he submitted our EP to them. Just not even, he really honestly wasn't even expecting a response back because you really never know what you're going to get back from the record labels. And uh, no sooner than later, he uh, he got a response back, and they were actually incredibly interested in our project, and they wanted to do something right away. So we didn't really expect it. We were just kind of feeling it out, because you really don't know how people are going to react when you first finish a record. So, yeah, that, that kind of just came out of nowhere. One day, he's just like, yeah, High Roller got back to us. We were like, no way, because we were expecting to maybe, you know, get signed to a label maybe six months after the EP or we thought it would be a significant amount of time. You know what I mean? But yeah, no, he, they were, they were interested right off the bat and it was really cool. We, we got hit up by a couple of other record labels afterwards without uh, contacting them. And, you know, it was just really an honor to be hit up by them, you know, just 
the whole fact that they were interested to do something, it's very flattering. So, but yeah, we're stoked to be with High Roller. We can't wait to see the future. What does a record label bring to the table today? I mean, you know, you talk 30, 40 years ago, that was what you strive for because you, you got signed to a label. They, you know, if they were behind you, they sunk a lot of money into the band as far as the recording goes, tour support, you know, and everything else, promotion that comes with it. You know, things change. You know, after the digital age kind of took effect and things, you know, changed for the record companies, what does a company bring to a band now? What can this company do for you that you couldn't do on your own? Um. Well, I mean, a lot of it's money. Uh, I mean, we all we all make an honest wage here. We all have day jobs, and they uh, they were able to bring you know a substantial amount of money to the table, so that we can you know put together the best possible project that we possibly can. So they're they're basically giving us that opportunity, and uh, certain labels you know they offer you like uh, deals for like going on tour and like merch. Um, we got, you know, a, a deal set up with them for a certain dollar amount and we're going to get our album all recorded and basically the whole album will be done and then they're going to distribute it for us on vinyl tape and uh, and CD. But uh, yeah, record labels nowadays, I mean, they're really there to help you, support you financially, I feel like, and kind of help organize it because it can be kind of chaotic getting everything done. Um, they help us a lot in kind of the professional aspect of things. Um, but yeah, I definitely think that they are on our side to, and they want to help us succeed and just be the best band that we possibly can. And yeah, High Rollers just seems like a great, yeah, they're definitely a great label. I mean, is it still mostly a do it yourself thing today with the music where you have to get involved in every aspect of it from the business part of it to, you know, to the music part, the recording part, is there a lot of networking that has to go on to link up or hook up with other bands and promoters and clubs to make things happen? Absolutely. It's it's network city. I mean, I feel like the more people you know, the better. And I feel like the more unique of an opportunity you get, I mean, it just has to do with the people that you know. Um, it's very much do it yourself. Basically, the whole entire band was just based off of people we knew and how we put together the EP and everything. It all was just networking and contacts. And, you know, you really got to be that kind of band where like, if you're, if you're playing on a bill, you got to be involved, you know, you know, you got to watch the other bands play too. You got to get a taste of it. You got to, you got to understand what's going on and you got to meet people as many people as you can. It's, it's a lot of fun, but yeah, definitely, uh, definitely do it yourself and lots of, lots of networking and who, you know, in the scene, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, through all your years in the business and, and playing in different bands, was that one time where something like really bad happened and it still stands out? We said, you know, you're like, where you kind of like a live and learn type of thing where something happened to you that you just couldn't, you know, prevent from happening. Now, you know, better. Um, in my history and music, I mean, uh, let me think here. Big mistakes in bands. I mean, you shouldn't have to, to pay to play is one thing I feel like. Um, I've definitely gone through that whole loophole. Uh, you know, a lot of venues that are trying to book your band, they, they're trying to make you pay to play there. I don't think that that should be something that you should have to do as a band. You know what I mean? Like, I agree. They, they set you up on the bill. They give you a huge envelope with like 100 tickets in it. And they're like, we've got offers where it's just like, basically, if we sell this amount of tickets, we can play the show and we'll be this slot on the band. It's just, it becomes a money-making racket. And I I've definitely gotten sucked up in that. And I feel like that's something that you really shouldn't dwell on. I feel like if your band's good, you're going to bring a good crowd no matter what. And 
people should just focus on the music and let the money come afterwards. I agree with you 100%. I, I, I've always hated that. It's been going on for decades, you know, to one extreme or another, you know, it, it's happened and, and it shouldn't be because, you know, the clubs are in the, like you said, if you're going to draw people to the club, they're going to buy drinks. They're going to spend money. The club is going to make money and the bands should still get paid. And I have to blame a lot of bands because they've let it happen more and more often over the years, but it's just going to stand up and say, no, you know what? We're bringing revenue to your club. You're going to pay us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You can't, can't let club owners take advantage of you like that. It's, it's definitely very easy to do and to get caught up in though, when you're young and you're fresh on the scene, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I do get it when you're young and you want to just play and you're only interested in getting up on stage. I get that. But as time goes along and you become more professional and you realize, Hey, you know what? We can make money doing this, make a little career out of this. You know, things have to change and I get it. It's hard today. It's not as easy as it used to be getting people to shows, getting people to buy music. So I do understand that, but I just wish things were better for some bands. And I wish there was like a, a union for bands where they'd all get together and agree to do things <laughs> a certain way. That way, you know, you kind of oh, hold the, the club owners over a barrel that way. Absolutely. I agree with you hundred percent. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Yep. Hey, well, Joe, we only got a few minutes left in the show. I want to play some music. Uh, what do you guys have coming up in the immediate future? Any shows happening uh, in the, over the next few months? Um, let's see here. We are, I think one of the biggest things we got going for us is, uh, in October, we're flying over to Philadelphia. Uh, we're going to be playing street metal massacre. Uh, that's going to be our first time over in Philadelphia. Uh, we're really just kind of gearing up for that right now. Um, yeah, that's probably the biggest thing we got going for us right now, besides putting together all the pieces for our new album, which we'll be sharing news on that here. And really soon, actually, we'll be giving some updates on that, but yeah, exciting time for us right now, definitely. Uh, it's exciting for me because I'm only about 90 minutes away from Philadelphia, so if that's on a weekend, I'm coming to see you guys play live. Oh, absolutely, man. I'd love to see you there. We'll, we'll have a drink. Uh, it's on me, Joe. Listen, the best of luck with the band. I can't wait for this new record to come out. When it does, you come back on the show, and we'll promote the hell out of it for you. All right, man. Thank you so much for everything. It's, it's a huge honor. Thanks for having me on your show today. Thank you. Have a great night. I'll talk to you soon. Take care. You too, man. But Bye-bye. All right, Leather Bitch. This is really one of my all-time favorite bands now. I just love what these guys are doing, and I'm hoping for so much more from them. I hope this doesn't turn out like one of my TV shows where you get so involved in it, then the networks cancel it. I hope these guys never break up. They just get bigger and bigger. Here's Streetwise.
that's about as good as it gets. I'm sorry. I just love these guys. Oh, man. Iman said it. it. The vocals remind him a little bit of Harry, the Tyrant Conklin. And, yeah, in certain parts it does. But Joel's an amazing vocalist. This is a great band. Check them out. Buy the cassette. High Roll is putting out the vinyl, I believe, and the CDs. And they're going to be in Philadelphia area this fall. I'll let you know when we get closer. I am definitely going to head to that show if it's on the weekend when I'm off. I can't do these things during the week because of work. But if they're here on a weekend, I will be there to see them. All right, we're down to the last 15 minutes of the show. We'll play a couple of more tunes, and we're going to wrap it up here tonight. Next Sunday night, Steve Ace McCullough from Skullhammer. As we close in on our 10-year anniversary, I'm trying to get back on the show. A lot of the guests that had on that first year. The show started in mid-September, and I think we only had about four or five guests on that year. Uh, I believe it was uh, Mike Sabatini from Attack. It was the first guest we ever had on the show. We had Mike on a few months ago. Next up was Matt McCourt from the Wild Dogs. We had Matt on about a month ago. Uh, Steve uh, from Skullheim was on. Next week was on after that. And I believe we wrapped up the year with uh, Kenny Powell from Omen. Who else did we have on that first year? It was Kenny Powell was on the show. Eric A.K. from Flotsam and Jetsam. Uh, and Greg Nielsen, the drummer in the band at the time. And I know we had one of the guests, oh, Paul Arnold from Matt War. So I'm going to do my best to get all these people on before September. All right, how about some Iced Earth right now with the song Iced Earth?
going to wrap it up here tonight. We had a great time talking with everybody. I want to thank Joel from Leather Bitch and Krista from Tamaros. I'll see you guys next Sunday night with Steve Ace McCarlow from Skullhammer. How about we close it out with some enforcer? Not the Swedish one, but the classic American one from Chicago. Here's High Treason. Take care, everybody. Have a great week, and I will see you next Sunday night. Good night.
Welcome to the Total Wireless Store, where total confidence awaits. I need to keep up with my teens this summer without sweating high cell phone bills. Don't worry. You got this with Total Wireless. We have plans to fit all your family's needs starting at just 25 bucks on the nation's best 4G LTE network. I won't miss a thing. Now you can focus on the important stuff, like arguing about curfew. Discover the Total Wireless stores and get total confidence. The latest phones, the best network, all at great prices. Now open in New York. Refer to the latest terms and conditions of service at TotalWireless.com. Take on your day the sweet way with the new brown sugar cold brew at Dunkin' Donuts. Cold steep for 12 hours with a sweetness that'll charm the taste buds off the go-getter in you. That's right, bold and sweet have finally come together in a deliciously infused cold brew that's naturally flavored and totally smooth. Dunkin's new brown sugar cold brew, bold meets sweet. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Limited time offer.